Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and we are steamrolling 2020 with crazy-ass vision, passion, and creation. And that's why we've got my good buddy, Adam Lewis Walker, on the show today. This dude is literally known. Like, I first came across him through Awaken Your Alpha, which is, again, one of the sponsors of the show, so Awaken Your Alpha, uh, awakenyouralpha.com. Go check him out. But this dude is a TEDx coach and speaker and trainer and... Basically, you're going to realize how in-depth this mofo is because I fucking love him. I just love everything about him. Um, even though we haven't really been in touch much over the last couple of years because we've both been busy doing our own thing, we've always been on each other's radar. We've always sent each other messages here and there. And yeah, as soon as the opportunity presented itself to be like, hey, we were supposed to do an interview and never got around to it. Let's do it now. This is how it all came about. So Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a, lot, a long time coming, and I, I appreciate you. You're one of those people who actually has a physical copy of the book. There's a, there's a few of us out there, so yep. uh, yeah, love it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, um, thanks for yeah. being here. I'm excited to dig into this and uh, crack on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because there's so much that I picked up from the book when I first read it, and it's one of those, it's, it's a bad habit I have. It's, I'll read a book once, take notes on it, apply the book, and then never pick up that book again for a really long time. And then I'll come back to it, and I'll find something completely new in it. it it's like one of the craziest innovations of my mind, but at the same time, it really annoys me when I want to keep reading a book. And I just like, oh, idea, run. So Yeah, I liked it as well. Like, yeah, you, you were the one who kind of said, I'm going to reread it, or I'm going to read it again, and... You like, that, that's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's a great book. I mean, one of the things I really, really got from this was because, again, you, you basically interviewed a crap load of people uh, and shared your own insights and everything, which made it so powerful. And the crazy thing is the more I read through it again, the more I'm realizing this is just more like a reference book for me than anything else at this point because I've read it through once. I want to read it through as a reference book. Okay, I'm not feeling all that, all that uh, powerful. I feel like, you know what, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my day great how do i find how do i find balance or my personal favorite which is uh this is one of my favorite ones and this is totally your fault because i only started referring to myself as an asshole ever 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 since i read your goddamn book and that is asshole rich poor or nice and poor i was like i'm a rich asshole i'll go with that i had a whole i I literally wrote a whole stand-up bit around this by the way that i'm actually touring right now that is awesome i can't believe that I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a sneak preview if you're cool with it, but before we get into that, I just want to jump into this whole thing. When did you jump into TalkAccelerator.com, which, by the way, link in the description, it's, X, so it's Talk, T-A-L-K-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com, which is, again, your place to go ahead and find out how, basically, how you can get into TED Talks. Sort that shit out. It's, it's amazing, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So, th- good question. So, Talk Accelerator, so... Do you know me for a while? The questions I always got were, how do you do a podcast? How do you do a TEDx talk? Regardless of what I was doing, <laughs> it was always, you know, you, you pay attention to the universe. And obviously, by like doing a podcast for six years, I think it was, I was at a podcast in Summit in 2017 when I was, I was talking at it. And uh, they said, if you've got a podcast, stand up. There's like 500 in the room. So like half the people stood up. Then it was like, if you've had a podcast for longer than a year, you know, keep standing. So a lot more people sat down. Then it was like, if you've had a podcast for more than three years, it got to that point, you know, to keep standing. There was five of us at a podcasting, you know, summit. It was actually PodFest. And then they took the organizers, looked around and said, right, these five standing are your podcast veterans. Ask them questions. Oh, shit. I would have liked that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, to be a, you know, a veteran. That was obviously like three years ago. So I, I did get a lot of questions. And uh, I know a bit about podcasting. And I like to help people with that and, you know, helping along that line. But when people ask me about TEDx and how I got my TEDx talk, I did it in 2016, I get even more excited. I get a little bit more excited. I think they're both impactful mediums. Obviously, I've done them both. Um, But I get more fired up and it's something that it's – obviously, it's more of a challenge. I believe it's more of a challenge to land a TEDx and deliver it. I think it stretches it more than, you know, a podcast. Podcasting is a lot of value and is – and it's, you know, if you want to start a podcast, you do it, uh, exactly. <laughs> ultimately. Whereas TEDx, in my mindset as well, if you want to do a TEDx, you go and make it happen. And that's what the kind of the processes that's evolved. And, I, you know, so I help people with that. And over, you know, 
six months a year, it morphed into the Talk Accelerator process and program because, again, there are um, certain things that need to be done in this in getting a TEDx. And I felt at the time as well, there were not a lot, but there were coaches that were helping people get TEDx's that were very high-end, one-to-one. That was how they did it. And there's a space for that. And there's aspects, if you want to work one-on-one throughout the whole thing, that's an option. But there's also things that just need to be done. So instead of me telling that to individually to people over and over again, I created, started creating this resource, this the training modules, and then just have been enhancing that over the last 18 months. And it's, you know, looking for some, much like a TEDx talk, some special source. What makes it unique and different? And that's one of the, the best compliments, you know, clients have said. There's stuff in this program and working with me that you won't get anywhere else. And I've used my background in podcasting to leverage that. And I have a podcast as well, the Talk Accelerator podcast, that literally is how to get a TEDx talk that you can go in and get a short 18-minute interviews with TEDx speakers and TEDx organizers only about how they got a TEDx and what they did, what they would do differently and, you know, really digging into that. Nothing about them, their story and that's outside of TEDx. Obviously, it comes through naturally. Um, and so that's kind of a nice addition to Awaken Your Alpha, which is, you know, a men's development podcast primarily where we dig in deep to their, their whole story and get their resources and towels and taxes to thrive ultimately. So that's kind of how they fit together. If you wanted to sum up Awaken Your Alpha is Amplify Your Mission and talk accelerators amplify your message so that's how they kind of the synergy of how they work together that is incredible and just a quick heads up because people are going to be wondering what's that sound in the background that's my cat not a human child that's just my cat that's what I, that's yeah yeah it's like what the fuck is that at all my cat he's an asshole he likes being on shows at times um it, it bleeds through but what i was going to say that's incredible because that's where i knew you from was initially the whole um male self-development because that's a thing that even to the state in 2020 a lot of men don't look at self like a lot of self-development is universally accepted but there's certain things that men go through that we don't really discuss so like talking about your emotions vulnerability that kind of thing it's it's more accepted today but it's still a little bit taboo in places i've found um yeah, 100%. Yeah, and again, we're going to touch upon that, but also the whole thing. I, thought, I mean, it's interesting the back the the backlash sometimes you get. It's weird. Oh. I think if, if you put a, a woman's book out, well, there there's hundreds. You go into a bookstore and there's a whole section just you know for um, women self help. Yeah. Jen yeah. Sicario, whatever it's her name is, like the person that wrote um yeah yeah your whole badass thing. I'm like, what the? F- I would never think of reaching out to the author and saying, why have you written a woman's book? What about me? I just yeah. think I've I've had and I. I'd be, first of all, I'm not on that level where I'm going to get so many people reaching out to me. But I've had people reach out to me and say, I think it's very sexist that you've written a book focused for men. I'm really? Like, wow. Oh, I, find, I find that hilarious. I really do. But one thing I want to like jump back to for a second is it's crazy Like even as a guy, if you put out a post that's vulnerable about yourself the backlash you get on that shit. I wrote a post about like uh, I was going through a health like by the time the show comes up my health thing should be fine. But while we're recording the show, I went through, I'm going through like a health challenge. I posted about saying, hey guys, I'm going through this thing. What do I do? And I had a, I had a friend of mine who's a little bit older. Like, actually, he's an acquaintance. He's a client and an acquaintance. Yeah. He's a little bit older than me. Uh, but like, I'm 30. I think he's in his 50s. Basically, I, he goes, oh, what's going on? How's your day? And I was just in that moment where I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was like, I'm busy, but I'm good. I'm just focusing on some stuff, but I'm also not feeling all that well. He goes, what's wrong? I was like, have you seen my Facebook status? He looks at it. And his response back, and this is what I mean by backlash. His response back was like, oh, I guess they used to make men a lot tougher back in my day. Whoa! And that was such a... That was such, what a loser. <laughs> My brain was like, uh, he apologized to me. Like, it was like, oh, you know, I'm just playing. I'm like, he's noticed. That's nuts. Jeez. I'm hoping that was banter. (laughs) It eventually became it, but it was far too familiar for how little we knew each other. Yeah. I'm like, I get it, mate, if you're one of my close friends, but we don't, you don't really know me all that well. Like, so like the thing I always tell people is that if I admit a vulnerability and my friend Dove Barron said it best to me when we were having a call, he said, the one thing that I have a problem with is I will not tell you there's a problem until it's far too late. 
He goes, you won't tell someone there's a problem at level three. You'll tell someone there's a problem at level 11. Like, out of 10, you'll tell them when it's an 11. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, so if someone, like, that's what pissed me off. It's like, if someone says to me, like, they don't make men as strong as you, uh, as, like, how they do anymore. I was like, bitch, I used to fight with a broken hand and a broken joint. I'd still win fights. Pain does not bother me as much anymore. Like, I just, I'm older and I look after myself. I, I feel like shit. I'm going to take time off. That's how it is. But that's what I mean. You get ridiculous backlash with that. And so that leads me to my first question is, how do men juggle that idea? And uh, for the women in the crowd that are listening to this, please pay attention because this will help you as well along your journey. It's universally advice that I, can, that I imagine will actually be applicable. But for men, as they actually go out there and put their stories out there and create their vulnerability, how do they actually not so much face up to the backlash, but how do they do it in a way that doesn't intimidate them of the backlash that could possibly come that way? Good question. I think the first thing you've got to be, you know, do things that you res respect yourself for first. So if, if, you know, you've got to build your solid foundation. So if you're saying things and worrying about the backlash, maybe question, are you doing anything that's worthy of a backlash or, you know, why? And if, if you're sound in your, your beliefs and you, you've done the work to get to that point, it, you know, it is what it is. It's whatever you put out there, in, in some ways, the, the more you put out there, if people are listening in any way, shape or form, then you're going to get backlash. You know, if, if you've got, a, you know, a voice and you're putting on a podcast or a TEDx and, or you're writing a book, people are listening, reading, watching because they want to know your opinion. So, you know, share your opinion. And that's the vulnerability in terms of not trying to please everyone because obviously there's, I mean, the States especially, it's so polarizing over here with stuff that goes on. I think they go almost they're they're going out of their way to say stuff just to annoy people or like to polarize things. So you know, as long as you're not going down that route and just doing stuff for the for the sake of it to get a rise, or you know, if you truly believe in it and you've done your you've done your work, you've done your research, I don't see I don't see a problem, you know. But it's making sure you're coming from something an opinion that fits your moral code. I think I put it in the book, you know, your alpha code and. and um, yeah, so just doing the work to what are your agreements and what do you stand for and, and standing for something, basically. Yeah, because you're all saying, and again, my cat agrees with you, um, clearly meows of acceptance here, but it's one of those things where, like, I love the, the show Hamilton, and there's one lyric that's really powerful, which is like, if you don't stand for nothing, what do you fall for? Mm-hmm. I was going to say that, and I thought, I think it might even be in the book, but... <laughs> yeah, it is it is yeah. in the book and it's it's so very true it's not just from Hamilton it's a, it's a very colloquial saying but like it's very 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 true um, and side noting completely on this because I said that we'd do some stand up today as well and a little bit of comedy there's a comedian called Michael Shea if you haven't seen him I recommend him highly he has this whole thing about uh, the amendments like the first amendment the first he was like freedom of speech was like the first amendment he goes I can see why the second amendment is like you get to have a gun it's because you're going to say some crazy shit and someone's going to come after you. You need to defend yourself in some way. <laughs> but, it's, but it's true. I mean, like, one of the things I actually really um, find interesting with the whole way that, like, we're moving towards this, especially with, like, say, with TEDx and stuff like that, TED, like, over the last decade, TEDx has actually become easier in some cases to actually get on stage and speak at because I remember back in the day, you couldn't get to TED unless you were someone like a Tony Robbins. Oh yeah. Like it was insane. Like it was so hard to get there. And now today, I know like six people have done TEDx talks. It still has high value. Yeah. But it's the case of, um, you gotta have the right structure of how you uh, you structure your pitch. Cause if I remember, like your story, if I remember correctly, it's like 18 to 20 minutes on stage, right? You don't really get like a full 60 minutes on stage. 18 minutes, ma 18 minutes maximum is their guidelines. That's what my uh, podcast on the talking story is 18 minutes interviews. Um, and they're getting shorter. That, that's the maximum guidelines from TED, but uh, organizers, a lot of them go, go shorter. That's the way it's going. I've interviewed people who've been to the you know, recent TED conferences, and yeah, shorter's the way, the way to go, and when I do my next one this year, I will, um, I will be um, close to the 10, 12 minute mark, because my one was right up to the 18 minutes. Um, so, so it's less, believe it, it's less impactful going right up to the 18 minutes. Okay, so I have two questions. That one, how do you, like, what do you specifically st 
structure in your talk in order to like condense it down to a 12 minute talk because i mean you also have like points where you're like do you introduce who you are do they introduce that do you have like how, how do you structure that that's one that's going to be more in depth and i'd want you to answer that secondly but firstly and more prevalently how does someone actually even begin to get onto the radar to present at tedx good question so number one um with uh, well your second question but number one <laughs> yeah the, we'll, we'll yeah, work around. yeah yeah so Firstly, you, you've got to make that decision that you're going to get a TEDx and you're going to go after it because too many people just sit around waiting, thinking, oh, I'd like to do a TEDx. Maybe one day they're, they'll come and discover me and I'll, you know, I'll do these things. That is one way to go, but usually that's the way to go if you're not that bothered about TEDx because that may happen, it may not. They do you know, listen to the, the podcast. You know, organizers do reach out to people. Um, that For people to reach out to you just very organically, you likely got to be doing something very legendary already, and you're likely less bothered about getting a TEDx. It's just a, a nice fringe benefit of doing whatever it is that you're having that impact in the world and doing something legendary. So that's good that you can go down that route. If you're like, I want to do a TEDx and I've got a message to share, and you're not willing for the the off chance of it happening and just sort of twiddling your thumbs, you think right, you've got to basically become the hunter. And I talk about this in Awaken Your Alpha as well. You've got to go and hunt out these opportunities and and be relentless, stay, stay on it. And that's part of the, the issue, like you said, that there's a lot of TEDx events out there but it, and there's a lot of people looking for them. So it is very competitive and it is hard to land, but I think you can get a massive advantage if you're one of these people who, who is proactively after it and going after it. And that's one of the, the, the just that simple aspect of accountability. I don't say that's like a big feature of my process, but it is a feature because Pretty much everyone who comes and goes through it, working with me one to one or in the small group setting, they need a little bit of um, hey, <laughs> you said this, and you you need to keep moving on this, and being told like this is the minor thing to do, but it needs to be done because sometimes we overcomplicate things, and oh, what if I did this, or how can I do that? You've got to do something. So that, that the nature of staying on it, yeah, you've got business and family and other things that are, should be more important over a long period, but keep moving towards it. So when you do have 20 minutes or half an hour that week, you know what to do and you're using that time effectively and you don't drop off because getting a, a TEDx, it's a realistic ambition to think, I'm going to do it within the next year, you know, landing it within the next six to 12 months, maybe doing it in this year or maybe doing it next year. But I don't think people have sometimes the the realistic expectations of what it's going to take because it is a commitment and yep. the TEDx organizer even when you land it that's a whole nother commitment and all TEDx events are very different some of them pretty much want you like a full-timer and they put you through the ringer at these huge TEDx events like in a big city and other ones it's their first event so they're a little bit more flexible there's a little bit more prep from their side of things but you still get on the TEDx spot and as you spoke about you know the TED and Tony Robbins and big names, it still has the credibility and it has the, the general public, it washes over, the TED, the TEDx brand washes over and I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape or form. And I say that quite often because their brand is so strong, they reach, they've reached out to me and pretty much anyone I know who helps people prepare for TEDx's or secure TEDx's has been contacted by TED at some point and said, hey, you need to make it really obvious that you're not like a TEDx certified coach or whatever it is you're doing. Um, so yeah, no, it's, and that just makes me like the brand. I'm a TEDx and TED fan to start with as well. So that would be the first thing. Cool. Cool, cool, what was, cool. What was the second question? <laughs> <laughs> the second question in order of the first um, was how do you actually get your presentation down to actually include everything inside like such a short space of time? Yeah. Like, inside 10 minutes, how do you do that? Because for me, I'm... I'm of the opinion that I, uh, to give you an idea, you can literally wake me up from a drunken stupor. As long as you give me a time frame, I'll think of something to fill that time with. This is just how my brain works. You give me a six hour day, I can probably come with six hours worth of content. Give me 20 minutes, I can do it, but I need to know a format. So to do something like TED, where it's only like 10 to 12 minutes or 18 is the absolute max, how do you do that? How do you know exactly what subject you're going to speak about and how do you condense it so it's impactful? So first thing, again, it's not the sexy answer, but work. A lot of work because the 
you know, to do a 20-minute talk would take probably not half the work, but a lot less work than to do a 10-minute talk. The shorter the talk is, the more work. If you want yeah. it to be impactful and your best representation of you. So my, my TEDx, for example, which was 18 minutes, and I worked, like you said, I worked to get it down to that point. And I could have got that, I could do that same talk, and I have done that same talk in like six minutes, eight minutes. But it's through repetition and through working. And at the time, I thought 18 minutes, God, that's such a squeeze. And now I've used that same talk, that basically like a signature talk or TEDx talk. I've done that in like a 90 minutes, or no, 75 minutes keynote presentation. It's like sort of the main thing for a big event, and it could have gone longer. And then I've also done it in, you know, under 10 minutes setting. So it's knowing what are, just stripping it away, what is the core foundations of that talk? What is, you know, what can be removed? What is supporting the talk? And what is best going to get your message across? What are the essentials? So, for example, Awaken Your Alpha, at that point, it was 2016, and anyone asked me about what is Awaken Your Alpha, I could answer that in an interview. Um, it might take a little while, and it was more vague. And then the, the, the TED platform forced me to, okay, what is it? Awaken your alpha is awareness, action, and ascension. So that's like a 10-second mm -hmm. So that made me force you to, you know, that creativity thrives under constraints, forced me to what is it truly about. And so that is the core of the talk, number one. And then it's, okay, what's, what stories support this? Um, what is beneficial? What, what do you want to say? And, and then... You basically are weighing it up and stripping it away, stripping it away to the to the best stuff. And the more you go through it, the better generally it gets. Um, so that would be that. I mean, there's loads of different structures you can do, but ultimately it's data or data statistics, credibility a little bit of there, and then stories up to 50% plus um, loads of no, sorry. <laughs> so stories, and then you have you know the makeup. I think that the, the perfect TED or some of the best TED talks have that, you know, 50% stories. They have a little bit of credibility, which is ultimately just to establish you as the person they should listen to. Why are you talking about this subject? So it could be like, if I was up there talking about podcasting, changing my life, it might be worthwhile mentioning, not in a boastful way, that I have had a podcast for six years. Yeah, And that's, that, that's literally one sentence. But then it's done. They're like, oh, as opposed to, oh, I started my podcast last week. I'm going to talk to you about how podcasts are the best. And people are like, well, you, you're a newbie. So and, and so it's, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, I was talking about adversity and overcoming that. So I, it might have been worthwhile to mention where I had a, an accident and, you know, was on operation crutches rehab for two years and then, you know, depressed, down, you know, had a, had a shocker and, and then fought back as opposed to everything's been all smooth. So it's, it's important. So that gives you, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't mean credibility that someone's given to you. But if you're talking about a subject, an idea that's important to you, number one, why? And how has that affected you? Why are you talking about it? And that would generally come from your credibility if you were talking about anything that should be important to you. And so, it, you know, it's 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 just, just um, that would be the credibility thing. And then the data stats, they, you know, Ted loves science to back up saying, yeah. So whether if you're saying, I think, you know, People are this big data on the screen proving that, and then and that's where sometimes a slide can help you out because you know it's it, time is limited. So <laughs> as opposed to you explaining this findings from a scientific study and going through it all, you could it could be chucked up there, or you could just you know cite a study or something like that. But the data statistics to back up your argument, stories fifty percent for me personally plus, and then a little bit of credibility. And these ratios I talk about in my, my trainings, if you get it slightly wrong one way or the other, you've got the you've got a great idea, you've got the bones of a great tool, and then maybe your stories goes down to like 20%, and all of a sudden, unless you analyze it, you didn't realize it, your credibility that you I just touched on is like 40%. You're just going to come across as arrogant and self-promoting, um, even if you weren't going, even if you're not. So it's little things like this that really make up the structure of your talk. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it's very powerful. In fact, while you were speaking, two things I want to touch upon. One, I came up with the best fucking email ever for you, by the way. And I, but I can give it to you if you want, and we can share it with the world, and they can see that this is like one that we've just done for for you in, in this moment. And two, it's scary to think how many people have like had a podcast for as long as they have. There's like a handful of people I know that have done it for as long as we have. Because... 
I, and it's going to sound really daft, but I didn't actually realize your podcast is six years old as well. Mm-hmm. I actually thought your podcast was either, it was around, I knew it was around the same time, but I didn't know if it was a year older or a year younger. I didn't realize it was the exact same time as me. So awesome. cr- crazy fun stuff. But yeah, do you want to know what this email is? I've, I've got to know now, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> so your subject line would be, what does tomato sauce and TEDx have in common? Right? And all you do is just say, like, the whole email structure could be something along. Actually, fuck it, I'll verbalize it in a second. It's like, hey, Adam, um, hey, Adam, it's Adil here from, you know, talkaccelerator.com or whatever it is if you want to put that in there. It's like, hey, Adam, just today, real quickly, I was talking to my friend Adil on his podcast, and we came up with this whole idea of what really makes a TEDx talk work. What is it that thing that really helps you stand out? And how do you get your, like, you know, your long talk down to what it is? And there's something very powerful that I shared on there that I want to share with you. And it was this concept of boiling down your talk to the bare essentials that is the most uh, impactful to your audience. And of course, if you've been a client of mine, you know I love ratios and working with things like that and making sure everything works out. But the thing I haven't shared with you is why you do it this way. The reason that you want to boil down your talk, the, the, the shorter amount of time that you have, the, the, harder work, the harder work it is, to actually get the right essentials in. Why? Because creativity thrives under constraint, but more importantly, it's like a pizza sauce. It's like a good tomato sauce. Why? Because when you're making a tomato sauce of any kind, and you let that simmer, you mix it, you add the herbs and spices that you want, and you let it really condense down and really become a concentrated version of that, it not only amplifies all the flavors, but it makes every flavor profile far more impactful. So if you think about your TEDx talk as the source, and it's 90 minutes long, right now you just started cooking. You just put the sauce into, you just put the sauce in a pan, threw some salt in, and let it sit. By the time we're done working together, that sauce is gonna be a refined 10 minutes of beautiful flavor that you can put out there that people would actually go ahead and adjust, adapt, and enjoy. And it would only come away from working so long. And that is actually the truth of the alchemist's secret. The alchemist's secret is spending more time refining and concentrating what is great in your present, uh, great in your work, or in this, in gold, or in this case, in your presentation for TEDx. You can go out there and make it far more impactful. And if you want to do something like this, you can go ahead and try it yourself by trial and error. If you want to skip past that and have me coach you, click the link and let's talk. And I'm granted that's just like a whole little ramble of what I did there, but you can totally run those ideas through. By the way, that's just what I'm thinking. That came to me in this moment. I was like, fuck it, I've got to tell them. Please make sure that goes in the podcast. (laughs) Oh, it will. It's staying in the podcast because it's one of those things I've said to people. It's uh, part of my social media strategy for 2020 is my buddy Chris uh, Taylor, if you guys haven't heard that podcast, I'll link you to it. He actually told me off when he was at my house. He was like, dude. It's like, what? He goes, your IG stories every day have to be, and I haven't done this yet, but it's like March is kind of my idea is I have this weird ability that I can basically verbalize the headline, subheadline, opening paragraph of any sales letter I need to get done or any email, don't care what market it is, in a matter of seconds. It, it you know just verbalizes and comes out. I don't think about it, it just happens. The case in point, uh, another blog post I did, which was on, um, I did a presentation at Quantum Leaps, and I had, I initially had three hours, and that got condensed down to 60 minutes. And Quantum, of, Leaps. Quantum Leaps, where's that? Oh, it's... Quantum Leaps is my friend Yassine Dadabe's um, events. Like it's a new company they've they've uh, they've created. They did one in London. They've got another one coming up, I think, in Montreal. But the next one is in April, and that's in New Zealand. And it's a, it's a ten day event. It's, it's they do them at different levels. So you have like small twenty pass masterminds or yeah, experiences. I think, I think we might have. Yeah, I think it's why I might have got some friends and crossed path. I think I saw that that the, you said the yeah. recent one was in London. Yeah. Because I was speaking yeah. of that one, it was uh, Paul, it was Paul, Paul Webb's uh, a friend of mine. Oh he, shit! No way! Yeah, Paul, I had him on the show. Like he was, he was there, so you can ask him about this. Because uh, one of the guys, I, I opened up the room and I said, "All right, someone give me a market to talk about." And obviously, you know, when you open up a, a floor space, especially in England, you're going to get a dick or two. Basically, go ahead and 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 drop something in there. And the old train is pretty much laugh it off, but find someone that's more suitable, right? Yeah. I don't have that problem. I'll take whatever you want me to and I'll write a sales letter around it. So I said, okay, someone give me an idea, could be anything. 
And one of the guys I was getting to become friends with, Ben, literally yelled out, penis enlargement. So I just said, fuck it, let's go. So I wrote my entire like opening paragraph, like sales headline to a penis enlargement program uh, that's natural in like the space of three seconds. So Chris was telling me I need to do more of that. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good. Could be your superpower. It is my superpower. I can verbalize copy faster than most people can even think about it, which is lovely. But that being said, and I kind of want to touch base on this, is the idea of getting in front of, let, let's say you're someone like us who has a multitude of different skills because you've, you had to learn them throughout like survival. Yeah. How do you know what your actual main superpower and skill is? Because even in 2020, people still don't know how to find that thing they're really good at. They, they're like, I'm good at graphic design, I'm good at this, I'm good at copy, I'm good at blah, blah, blah. You know, how yeah, do I do no, it? It's, it's a really, it's a really hard thing. and. I think it's always an evolution, and, and that's one of my pursuits is constantly ref just fine tune that and refine. Like the life is like a big version of a TEDx talk, normally. The better you can, you know, refine that down and not give a monkeys about what other people think, and just you know, so you, you can be vulnerable and just get down to what it is you truly want to do, like to do, and are legendary at, and you you know prepared to commit the time it takes to get to mastery as well as enjoying it, that is a, a constant thing. And, you know, it, it, it comes back to, yeah, you can do all these things, like all the things you listed there, but what do you really want to do? What are you literally world-class or at least pre prepared and willing to work to just keep raising your game in that area so you can see the long game and where it's going, but you actually enjoy the day-to-day -day of that now uh, and, the, you know, the dedication that it's going to take to get legendary at that. So that's that's a constant thing, and it's, a, it's why the first phase I talk about is, is you know awareness, and that's a constant awareness because it can change. There's, you know you set a, you you look at this and set a goal when you're 20, and when, then when you're 30, if you're still blindly following that, you may have really thought it through well when you was 20, but you know you're a different person at 30. And I think sometimes people set, if they've done that, set these you know very big ambitions and goals. And then they don't reassess. So they might be chasing, you know, basically a kid's 18-year-old dream when they're, you know, 25, 30, 40, whatever. And if they make it, they might realize, oh, it's not really not really that bothered. It wasn't what I thought because, you know, you might have been you know, listening to your 18-year-old self or whatever. You might not have thought it through. Or a society as well is another big thing. Like, oh, I, I, I felt a lot of pressure. Not pressure, but I, I felt like it was the thing to do to, you know, really dive into the podcasting space in terms of I can really help people who want to start podcasts. Is that the best use of my time? Is that what fires me up the most? Is that, you know, there's a lot of people can help with podcasts and so it's, it's being, being aware and noticing certain things that fire you up and like when you're talking about, you know, you're doing the copy and doing stuff like when people point it out and naturally compliment and you that you're very good at it, pay attention to that stuff at times, but also not just that, does it fire you up? So, and it's just a, you know, you, you could very unlikely, people who are really in their zone of genius could have, you know, predicted exactly how that was going to look, you know, 20 years ago. And there's exceptions, obviously, if you were trying to go to the Olympics and you've been a child prodigy and you've been working on like one skill for 20 years, then you could very much, that's what it is, and you go and do that. But for most of us, it evolves, and even for an athlete who you know has to retire or finishes that life, then you you know you you start again, and what's really important to you, and uh, yeah, so that's different for everyone. Oh, I agree. I mean, one of the greatest examples of this is a guy called Vasily Lomachenko. I mean, that did that dude was like I don't know if you follow boxing, but that guy is considered by many as the greatest boxer of our generation. Oh, could, what, what what weight is it? Uh, he's he's really light. I think he's like lightweight right now. He started off as a super featherweight, mm -hmm. but um, his story is amazing because that's an example of someone that like planned their career from a very young age because their dad wouldn't let them learn how to box until he learned how to dance. Ah! And his dad made him learn how to dance Ukrainian dance, and as soon as he did that, he was like, "Right, you can learn how to box now." And then he went, he had a ridiculous amateur career. He won double gold in the Olympics uh, in two different Olympic games. 
He had a 397 victory to one loss in his, in his amateur career. Um, so that's crazy. And then, like, he's he's only had one loss as a professional boxer, and that's because his second fight was for a world championship that he should have technically won, but he didn't. And since then, he's just, like, gone on a 10. Like, the quickest route of winning championship belts in four different divisions, he holds the title, and I think it's three years. He won... Uh, in three years, he won four different division belts. Wow. By making him quit. And it's amazing. So that's basically a power of concentration. And it's funny, that whole, like, tomato sauce thing that I came up with kind of plays effect here as well. This is now going to be known as the tomato sauce podcast, is the way it is. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I, I thought he was going to mention something about pomodoros as well. I think oh, God, pomodoros is amazing. Take care of your tomatoes. I thought he was going to come at it from three angles as well. <laughs> <laughs> now we have a third angle. You help me with that. There we go. Third angle it is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay going to be fucking awesome but yeah so one of my questions because i'm cognizant of time one of the questions i really wanted to ask you in particular was like for the people that actually haven't read awaken your alpha what let, let's just put it this way low confidence feeling like the world's against them deck is stacked which is let's be honest the majority of people high anxiety don't know what i want to do they get this book which i recommend you all do what chapter or what part do you actually first direct them to i'm only testing your skill here because i know it's your book and i think it'd be funny I'm going to answer mine as well in this. So if you want, you can go first and I'll answer mine. Okay. The first obvious answer is at the start, because obviously I thought it through and put it in position. But I don't know if you give me a, yeah, you did give me quite a situation then. Yeah, honestly, so, um, so you said they're, you know, they're, they're, they're coming into it and they're, feeling like they're having a bit of a tough time at the moment. Is that what yeah. you said? Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back yourself. Section two, action. In the under under the mind, yep. And then seventy six back yourself. I think I honestly believe that we are very rare. Is it someone who backs themselves too much? Obviously, you get arrogant people, but most time, generally, the, you're a bit harsh on yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that I, it's very rare that someone's, and this is like internally because this is a book you're reading this to yourself. Where it's very rare that you need to be like, hey. I need to be a bit harsher on myself. I'm going too easy on myself, like mentally. Most times we beat ourselves up. You know, we focus on that the five percent failure as opposed to we've been doing really well. The the the, the small little what you might call as failure or indent or something that didn't go as perfect. You 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 drill into that and overthink it and procrastinate. You've got to back yourself. If you don't back yourself, how is anyone else expected to do that? If you're going to go out and you know we talked about getting a TEDx talk. If you don't back yourself and you go in anywhere near a TEDx organizer, guess what? They're not going to back you either. It's done. It's, it's over already. So it's just something we all need to back ourselves more. And this is in areas that are important to you. You know, obviously, I don't back myself in I don't ballet dance just because you've been talking about it because I've, I've never really done it. And I don't have a massive interest at this point to do it. So I wouldn't back myself in that scenario. But when it's something that's important to you that you you want to pursue and you want to progress and you know the biggest thing that's going to hold you back is your fear fear of failure fear of success and just not having the confidence to when you have achieved some level and that you're on that pursuit to back yourself that you're going to find out what you need to know and what you know at this point is absolutely fine it's where you need to be in this journey and you will get what you don't have if you continue down that path but the the thing that's going to hold you back is that lack of confidence and fear and that's you know this the next book i you know i thought of writing was literally around back yourself but then a close friend of mine or someone i know um they like the book as well and they released a book called back yourself so <laughs> but so but my, my next book is going to be around the concept of fear and kind of what we just spoke about there um and it's good to hear that that naturally came out as a priority for me because that's what the concept of the next book is because the challenge of awakening your alpha and writing this book is condensing it down to the core features because it is such a you know it's such a big topic and holistic approach. Whereas the next book is going to be so nice to just dig deep in one area, literally one of the chapters for a whole book. Ah, uh, that's nice. And that and that that happens in your life as well when you can focus in in something you really love and are good at, or at least committing to be good and great and legendary at. That's so relieving that you can let other stuff go that other people think maybe you should be doing or you should be good at or you should get this job, you should 
do this, you just you just let it pass because there's so much opportunity out there and trying to do everything is just not good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like Mine's not too far away from yours. It's only a couple of pages down the way and that is... Um, uh, so it's basically the one after on overcoming depression, which yeah. I think is page 76 from that. But like that entire yeah, section on the mind... Comes on the back of back yourself as well, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, right off of this. Oh, page 80, that's the one, not 76. But that's basically what it is. It's an incredible understanding of how your mind works. And as someone that's like suffered with the depression at like different times of their own life, I can tell you right now, understanding what's in that book and overcoming, overcoming depression and backing yourself are two of the most important things you could do and doubling down to that. And it, it literally sets you apart from everyone else. And the other thing I'd say is just a piece of advice. I can't remember if it's in the book. I think it is. If it isn't, you and I have definitely discussed this. It's this idea of have check-ins of where your wins are. Like actually check in on when you're winning. Because most people, and I don't know if you, don't, I don't know if you do this. I think you do as well. Um, or at least you did and now you don't. It's you forget that you're winning. You forget that you do good things in the world. Yeah, you, you, you glance over them and you focus on where you perceive that you're failing. I, I was watching something last night and, um, you know, this is some some celebrity or some sort and they've achieved technically or by society standards, achieved so much awards, literally medals and awards and things. And it, it, they just, it was, def what do you fear? They, like, they're absolutely petrified of failure. To the level like failure is the only way that you're going to progress and evolve because it means you're you're pushing the boundaries. If you're you're so petrified of failure that you go within yourself and you shrink and you don't do stuff, you don't like create that podcast or that book or that that TEDx or you know be interviewed or put it out there. Your thoughts, like you spoke about earlier, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna technically fail, but maybe it's by someone else's perspective, you're failing at living life. You you just you just you can't just you know shrink away, and that's linked to depression as well. When you're feeling crappy, the tendency is to go within yourself, and you know it's it's a tough tough line. But you know it's it was interesting to hear someone. She wasn't even talking about what she did. She just said, "I'm you know I'm just so scared of failure. Not even like specifics, just avoiding that by all by all costs." And it was you know it's interesting to hear that that's what you know. Can motivate someone and, and really affect their decisions, and you know that it's like only what are your beliefs costing you? If that's a core belief of you, and one of the the common threads, of, you know, across all these like almost 400 interviews, is their approach to failure or data or learning experiences is very different to the average person. Yeah, they still have doubts and have to reaffirm and back themselves and, and deal with depression at, at times, as I'm sure most of us will, but they. Is their approach to failure and not taking it personally. It, it is part of a very natural part of life, but also even more natural if you are pushing yourself and trying new things. Obviously, you're going to fail the first time. And if you don't, there's an element of luck there. It doesn't mean you're legendary. It just meant that was what was supposed to happen at this time. Exactly. And it's something that people really need to be aware of is the fact that there is luck there is luck involved, and to say that there isn't would be a complete bold-faced lie. And um, yeah, yeah, and I and I and I have, um, you know, I, like a lot of people, sometimes you have that reaction to saying, "Oh, you're lucky," and that and that can that can offend people, and in the certain context, it does me as well. But yep. I agree, there is there is luck involved, but you've got to be in the position, you know, to to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. capitalize that, and then. So if you're if you're at some certain events and this happens and then what you could call something lucky happened, well it's not luck that you're there. You've gone there. It's not luck that you've gone and spoken to that person that you they then you know discovered you and this opportunity's happened and you say oh that's lucky. Yeah, but they you met them. You were physically there and then they went and checked you out and saw your backlog of work that you may have been doing for ten years, which is not luck. And then they. You've had an opportunity to present itself, and you, you've made the most of that. And again, getting opportunities and, and seizing them, that's that's only a piece of it. Once you're then within that opportunity, how can you 
add the most value? How can you? How can everyone win in that scenario? Are you making the most of your current opportunities, or are you already looking without, with outside of yourself to what's new and what's the new shiny object, and you've got to chase after that? Exactly. It's there's a lot to be had there, and a lot of people tend to actually over overlook a lot of um, of what makes it. It's kind of like the whole thing is like someone could say, "Oh, it's lucky that you interviewed Robert Greene." It's like no. Adam went oh. out there and he basically hounded Robert's door until Robert said yes. Yeah, that's that's de- yeah, that's definitely you know obviously he could have said no, but yeah, there's um yeah there's a reason that wasn't episode one because he would have been like what nah and and I know there are people that come back to me when you've got a hundred episodes under your belt, come back to me you know or just they're just you know there's a there's a long line of people who have been trying to get them on a podcast or you know how you how can you add, add any value to their situation as well and how can you support them and and to the, then the next level I actually got Robert Green to um, commit and agree to do a live event sit down interview on a stage in LA we had to cancel it in the end which is one of my massive pains that when I think about that but the, the fact that he did that and he doesn't generally do that that was um, you know there was there was work involved in to get into that point um, so yeah <laughs> I, I completely agree. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. It's kind of like um, a, a great example would be it, on a lower scale. It's my buddy Chris McCombs. It took me seven years of asking. Seven fucking years, and then he finally said yes. Yeah, I've never had him on a podcast, but I know I, I've, I've met him, and um, yeah, I'm aware of him. He's a good dude. Yeah, fucking huge though. Yeah, <laughs> he's a I giant teddy bear. Yeah, I lent him my laptop at a presentation like five years ago because something died. So I was like, yes, I, yes, but I, I was there luckily in the right place at the right time to help him out. See, that, so that is luck. That to me would be classed as luck as it's a random event that you can't really prepare for, but you're just, like the preparation is, you were there. Yeah, and, and, and ready. Obviously, I'm sure there's lots of other people who could have lent him his laptop, but, you know, he needed a, he needed a help, he needed, and I was like, here you go, sort him out, so now, so you probably, know, he probably doesn't know me for any Miguel, like, didn't you lend me a laptop like five years ago? <laughs> That's probably yeah. it. Oh, definitely. It's kind of like one of the, the most ridiculous things is when you actually have that conversation with him and you go, holy shit, you remember a lot, and he does. Now, because again, I'm cognizant of time, and there's one of my questions I really wanted to ask you, but you know, I'll get that from you another time. The key thing I really want to ask you more than anything for my listeners is when life kicks you in the nuts, like really knocks you down, and again, we've talked a lot about depression and mindset and all this and the other, what is your go-to routine to like get yourself back on track like in 2020 like what is adam's routine oh yeah i haven't had the routine question for a long time it's again it's, it's evolved and like you have these visions of what you, you you want it to be like or how you can improve and enhance it currently and um, yeah I, i'm definitely not immune to you know the the mental side of depression and ups and downs definitely not but um one of the staples, even when I was really struggling, I always kept the physical side of things moving. I know for a fact if I don't get a some kind of physical exercise activity workout in the morning, that's generally not going to be the best day and I can try and kid myself and then by the end of the day, I think like yesterday I was a little bit light on the, the exercise because of uh, certain things and I know it's not sustainable and I couldn't sleep particularly. I had number one, too much energy. Uh, there was the, uh, it, it was it was not a, it was definitely not like an optimum scenario. So my general daily morning routine, which I think in morning is very important for me and for most people, but there's always exceptions. I I get up, I you know make make do the coffees, organize my boys' breakfast, and we have some little time there, and do the school run. I take them to school every day. I drop them off. I take my book with me. It's actually in the car most of the time. I have a specific book that is in the car. Ooh, which um, book? Ah, so my go-to one for that. I get, I get to, actually the one that's in the car that's been permanently in the car that I actually I I've read that. I reread pieces of it. I dive in and out. The Daily Stoic by Ooh. Ryan Holiday. Oh my god! That mu- okay. Real quick side note because I know we're talking about your thing, but I just want to touch upon this. How creepy is it that that motherfucker knows exactly what you're feeling on a certain given day? Right, I, the amount of times it's it's like Feb thirteenth. Go read a go read just the the quote of the day, and I'm like, that is so right for right now. What the shit? <laughs> I need yeah. to actually hear this right now. 
Yeah, and uh, Ryan Holiday, he agreed to an interview years ago. I still haven't pinned him down. It was actually off the back of um, Robert Greene recommended him as his like prodigy. Um, yeah. But no, I, I love I love his stuff, and there's a, a very stoic theme through Awaken Your Alpha, and there's likely to be more of a stoic theme through the next book as well. Uh, but I, I love that stuff, and just the so as part of the routine, so I drop them off. I live uh, basically on the on the by the seaside town, but it's the Great Lakes up in northern Michigan. So I drop them off. I drive down to the lake, depending on the time of the year. Um, generally, I park literally on the water, on the beach. I bump up onto the sand, just looking out across uh, the, the ocean. But it's the Great Lakes. You can't see the other side. It's beautiful. And I read from that book. or that. Yeah, that's usually you know a short one. But I always a daily read is you know one of my favourite parts of the day. And and it's that that time. You know, it just it's that mental recheck. So it's I say a daily read is not just a blanket. This will help you out. It's important what you're putting into your mind on a daily basis in terms of perspective resetting and just putting good stuff in there like you put or if you've got any sense good stuff into your body physically in, in terms of nutrition. But, you know, um, something like the, the, the daily stoic. I, I stumbled across that um, 2018 when I was back in England actually. No plans, just went into bookshop. Again, I usually when I go into bookshops, my mindset is I'm looking to not buy books because we <laughs> I, buy so many. I yeah. saw that, through, I had that, and I was actually at that time, that was, no, that was 2017, so 2017, 2018, and um, so the book hadn't come out yet. It was in quite a critical and a tough time going through that as well. I was in England in, through December for a whole month. It was very, very dark and you know dreary at that time. And, yeah, um, he says this to a person that still lives here. I know. <laughs> you know, the, the December January is, is not like uh, if you've got anyone to buy a seasonal affective disorder and stuff like that. Which it you know, sucks. I yeah, I definitely was um, prone to that. And you know, my my December January, like now, everything is white. Like you painted the room white and emulsion. It's so bright and sunny here because it's it's you know it's it's minus sixteen today, but it is so bright. It's, it's so light and it's just lovely going out there because you wear the right stuff. But yeah, so back to the routine. So I, I, um, yeah, so I read that for a year. I was stuck to that and that really gradually, it's that daily just little touch. You, you know, no one can give an excuse that you haven't got time to read half a page a day. So that is literally, most of the pages are like half a page. It's that. Yeah, a quote and just a thought of the day. And that's in terms of philosophy and stoicism and stuff like that, it's important to to practice it, obviously, that's the only way it's going to have any effect. You can't just read a book and think, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a philosopher, I'm a stoic." You know, the the fact that minimum that if you did it properly, that's over a year, and so you take one in and you, you're thinking about it, um, and you, how's it applied to you? Or how can you physically apply that in what you're doing in life? Um, so that that was, you know, a good book. So I read that, very powerful for that first year, and too much that I I rolled onto and I continued reading it the second year, much like uh, most things. You know, you need to change it out. Motivation, inspiration, it's like washing, you know. <laughs> for that, that book is still impactful for me, but obviously it's, if you just repeat, 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 then it's going to, its influence or impact on you is going to lessen. So, you know, one of the books I'm, I'm really, I'm actually enjoying this year so far is in a completely different way, um, is uh, 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Pearson. I got that for Christmas. Yeah, I got that. That's a that's a good one. And principles, um, Ray Dalio. Dalio. I, I started, yeah, that's. I started reading that before um, Twelve Rules for Life, and that kind of Twelve Rules for Life kind of jumped over that one at the moment. But yeah, so I I, I do a, a little read, have my coffee. Um, depending on the weather, I may go for a you know a walk along in and out the woods along the beach and back or a jog. But generally, I come back um, or I used to, used to more go go direct to the gym after that and do. You know, 40 minutes max of you know resistance training of some sort. Now I have my my home gym lifting platform rings um, full set up here, and um, at the moment I'm working out at home. Um, and you know, I love that. And then again, sometimes this is where it's evolved the the benefits of uh, a sauna, an infrared sauna. So I you know in the last few months I finally got the, the master plan. So I've got a, an infrared sauna, and so. You know, it maybe I flick that on while I go have my you know 30 minute, 40 minute workout, jump in the sauna for 20 minutes, and again maybe that's once or twice a week the sauna bit, mm -hmm. and then generally 
this is all done and I'm ready to crack on. 9, 9.30 um, is when I crack on with work. Maybe if it's a, if it's a sauna, then I have a, you know, a brief warm shower before, dry off. So there's no, you know, you're helping the sweat come to you completely dry going in there and get the temperature up already before you go in. And then ice cold shower afterwards. Um, if I do that, again, not some something crazy length, just a little bit of a shock for a while. And then, uh, yeah, crack on, and I'm a, I'm a good good position at that time. I know there's um, there's room for improvement with the second book. There's a slot between six and seven that I know is a is a could could be a golden hour for me in terms of getting this book written and um, other things. But generally, I work a, on a, an average day. It might be five hours of solid work, though. Um, and at three o'clock, I'm done, and I pick up the boys from school, and uh, we usually, you know, depending on what's going on, I have, I have some time with them, and if there's any other, you know, might be an Australian interview, I don't do too many of them, or someone interviewing me, there may, there's a slot from four to five, if needed, with someone who's, nice. that, that can be done, uh, but generally, that's the, that's the kind of scenario, and I coach my, my son's basketball team as well, and like five thirty, seven o'clock, so yeah, just, the days like that where you, you kind of get that balance and you kind of get a lot of things covered but not too dominant in one area, uh, the days at the end, you know, I satisfied and you feel that was a great day. And if you can focus on just what can you do to make today great in, in terms of where you are and what you're doing and the situation, not what you wish it would, but what can you actually do? And if you can answer that question and actually physically do it, so even if it's late in the day, what can I do today to make today great at this point? And it's like call someone and have that conversation, or go for a walk around the block. Then you do it. You have a great day. You start doing that, and then before you know it, it's an accumulation of great days. You know, great month, great year, great life. Yep. That's what it's just being more present. That's always true. I mean, it's really, really powerful how that actually changes. One of the things I always add in for my own stuff is um, make a list of all the things that make you happy. Yeah, the gratitude stuff is, yeah. No, no, not so much the gratitude, but like just the stuff that makes you happy. Like I realized that I wasn't doing this when I got into one of my depressive funks was I was working so hard that I actually hit a point of burnout. Um, and of course that, you know, like your mind wants to go somewhere, but your body's tired and you can't really do anything. It sucks. The thing I found was I was not replenishing any of the creativity that I did for me. So I wasn't drawing, I wasn't cooking for myself the way I want. Like I was cooking for sustainability. I wasn't cooking for love. Yeah. Like, I, people get mad at me all the time about this, but I fucking love making homemade pizzas. Like, genuinely love making pizza. We've talked about pizza a lot today. But the reason I love doing it is because there's like a level of stress relief when you're making your own dough, and it's actually healthier for you because you're not using sugars, you're keeping everything pretty natural because my pizza sauce is just salt, tomatoes, and black pepper. And a few little bits I add in as well, but no sugar. And like, same with a doe. And my cat seems to be seeing a, an animal or something because he's trilling this in the background. Cat sounds like being strangled. Oh no, he's just trilling in the back. I'm, he's too far away for me to do that. Usually if, I, if I'm sat here, he'll jump on and go on camera and that's always fun. But anyway, uh, real quickly, because I know, uh, again, cognitive time, but I gotta wrap this up very quickly and we've gone a little bit over, so I appreciate you being here. And that is, the, that is something I want to tell everyone to go do right now, is go check out Adam's stuff. Like, seriously, go, you've seen just a smidgen of what this guy's brain is like. We've had some fun, fair enough, but he goes into way more depth. Pick up Awaken Your Alpha if you can. Uh, if you can find a physical copy, go for it. Amazon, always a good place to go. Or message him, because that's another way of doing it. Go to talkaccelerator.com, subscribe to his podcast. Basically... Use Adam as one of your five rotational motivational pieces. Because the way I see it is that rotate him out with other people, but he will keep you on that accountability because he's just consistent. That's what I love about you, dude. You're consistent in how you are. And even when you're not quote unquote consistent, you find a way to get back at there very, very quickly and like floundering around for months on end, which is brilliant. I appreciate that. And that linked to like what we said, like something like the, the Ryan Holiday book. I absolutely love it. And I like the way you said, like, rotation. I, I think that's important as well because his stuff is powerful. But, you know, if I read the same book year on year on year, it would it, it slowly diminishes in terms of its impact. It's still a legendary book. Uh, it's, it's just simple in, it, it's, in its setup. But that it, it's, it, for me, that really, that really helped. And, um, yeah, in terms of the book, you want to see what people have, have said about it. And that's, you know, 
that's the you know the greatest marker for me in terms of the feedback is just just go to ayalpha.com forward slash book and it's got you know you know what women have thought about it, what men have thought about it, their feedback on it and it's um it's filled with 30 32 33 specific actions throughout the book if you talk about losing it like a reference on what can you physically do or it's instantly that that daytime now kind of not this like wishy-washy oh this is a great idea and it's more about how can it action how are you going to action it and it you know take something from that book that is actually going to enhance your life and, and improve things for you and again that's by your definition and your standards but cool. very powerful too so guys go check that stuff out adam it has been an absolute legendary pleasure as always to have you on the show guys please rate comment subscribe go have yourself an amazing weekend and listen to this please really get into it i know there's some jokes and some fun but there's a lot of great content on this episode as always i'll see you next week